sorry, turn with me to Philippians 2, 2, 12. Chapter 2, verse number 12 reads like this. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. My God, I could preach right there for a long, long time this morning. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. Work out, we know this scripture, we quote it all the time. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 1. It says, Having therefore... These promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Before we're seated, 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. Verse number 17. First Peter chapter number 2, verse number 17 reads like this. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood or the brethren. Fear God and honor the king. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on the fear of the Lord this morning. Bow your heads and your hearts with me and pray. Father God, we thank you for this time of worship. God, we thank you for this throwback Sunday, God, when we took some songs out of the uh, old ways and we began to sing them. But God, I thank you that, behold, you change not, and yet you do a new thing. God, I thank you that, as uh, Brother Josh Vandegraaff said uh, last week in our youth rally, he said traditions are meant to be celebrated but not duplicated. And so, God, we honor the things of the past. And, God, we, uh, we, we, can, we can go back and we can celebrate you and celebrate Jesus and celebrate praise and worship and honor in those things. But, God, we're not trying to duplicate something that you did before. We're thankful that you're a God that, not, that doesn't change but that you do new things for us, God. Lord, I thank you right now that you haven't given given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. But God, I thank you that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And so God, even though we're not supposed to fear the things of the world, I pray that you would cause us to have a fear and reverence for you in this place. God, I pray that you anoint my lips, God, as you've laid this on my heart to preach. And I've already battled with you this week over preaching this message. God, I yield to you and ask your spirit to have its way. Lord, we, we ask the Holy Ghost to take over from this point. Anoint my words, God. Let it go to the heart of the believer, God. Let the fallow ground be bro- broken up already. Lord, let the seed be planted in the heart, God, so that it would bring forth fruit in their lives. Lord, we thank you for, we thank you for your word that's forever settled, God, today. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen and amen. I want to talk to you as you're seated this morning about the fear and reverence of the Lord. There was some God just laid on my heart this week um heavily, heavily. I couldn't shake it. Uh I already I already told you that we were we were in service uh when we left here Sunday. We went and we were in a Sunday evening service with Brother Josh Vandegraff and uh we we 
ministered up there on Sunday night and then Monday we we left from there and we went back toward our hometown because Logan you all remember him my friend Logan was preaching at Hopewell Church of God on Monday and so we went and we were in service with him and brother and sister uh, brother brother Rick and Betty Wade were there and and uh, as I said we were in service with her and as we left we got the call that she had passed away on Tuesday morning, and uh, so then we, we came home for a short spell, and I did a few things on the job and uh, tried to get some things in order, and then we turned around and we went right back home, and we began to get back in the service. And But through through the course of this week, even, as, even before uh, I began to drive home and before all of this, I felt the Lord begin to deal with me in the area of fear and reverence for God. And there was something that... That, that God is trying to say and how many all know before he ever puts words in the mouth of a prophet and I'm not calling myself a office of a prophet or titling myself as a prophet but I prophesy to you each and every week every time the word of God comes out of my mouth it's prophesying into the air and so in, the, in those terms that's what I'm talking about this morning but how many all know that before God will ever cause you to prophesy to someone he will first put the burden inside of you amen uh, there are many people and I'm not even in my notes yet, but there are many people in this world today that would like to call themselves prophets, uh, but yet they've never grieved and cried and, and wept over the things that God has wept over. They haven't had the experience that Jeremiah had, where Jeremiah was the weeping prophet who, who would always have to deal with the wrath of God. Everybody wants to be a modern day prophet, but they don't want to deal with the sackcloth and ashes that the prophet has to deal with. You know, a prophet in in the days of old was not a power uh, was not a thing that anybody wanted to be they were actually they were they were hated by the people for what they had to say and they were they were they were loved by God but nonetheless dealt with the wrath of God because he would show them and do to them and deal with them in a way of uh, uh, of chastisement if you will he would bear the, he would cause them to bear the load so they had it rough on both sides i don't think that elijah spent his day as a man with naming lights but nowadays everybody wants to be a prophet but this week this week, God began to deal with me on the fear and respect of the Lord, reverence for God, and he had to deal with me right at home, amen, and, and, and I believe that it's a word for our church in this hour. You see, when we look around today, I feel like the message, you know, things come and go, I, I, help me, help me, Holy Ghost, things come and go, I want to get this out exactly how the Holy Ghost wants it delivered, but fads in the church they come and they go ebbs and flows and we do this and we do that and there was a time just several years ago when um, cheap grace just began to show itself in the church it just grace grace churches and grace atmospheres and uh, you know and I know things come and go but what what I see is that this grace thing is not going anywhere and it's a, it's a bad thing because some things you see come and you see them go and you wish they hadn't left. 
Sometimes the Spirit of God will settle on a place and you'll begin to see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in that place and you'll begin to see the fruits of, of good, uh, uh, good godly living come from that place and then all of a sudden a, a, a flow changes or somebody changes and the flesh gets involved and then things leave and you don't want to see that happen. And then other times there are things in the church, I know that there are folks with me today, that you see things happening in the church and you're saying, God, I hope this season passes quickly so that we can move back on into the right things of God and you want things to move around. Well, it seems like as I look at this at the grace message and and and, and I'm just going to go listen, I'm glad I'm in my church this morning and y'all are my people and I love you and everything. I'm going to just go ahead and preach what the Lord has laid on my heart. Is that okay this morning? Because I'm telling you right now that God has has put in me an unction to stand against this cheapened grace message, this unmerited uh this the I know grace is unmerited favor, um, but they've taken it to a whole nother level where everything is grace, 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 grace. I can do whatever I want to do because I've got the grace of God. As long as I prayed a prayer at some point in my life, then I'm covered and I'm able to uh, to make it into heaven. I was listening to some songs this week and, I, and I, it came to my attention after I was listening to the songs. I began to look at the songwriter and the song singer and it looked like they, have de- they developed into to, uh, they went from being a good good people of holiness to this people that believe in all this inclusion and everything else and it was it sickened me in my spirit why could why do good men go astray and I heard the spirit speak to me and say if you believe a lie you will be damned and and I and, and I believe that nowadays there are people in the churches all around on this Sunday morning that are giving in to this grace message and I thought it was a come and go. I thought it was a thing that was going to just start and then and fall off, much like most of those little fads are. But I believe the enemy is behind this thing, this this uh, this grace pushing uh, uh, mentality, and he, the devil wants nothing more than to make you feel secure in your ungodliness. And so I see it just running rampant. Grace, 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 grace. The, I, I need you to understand this. That the, this is a, 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 I believe this is straight from the pits of hell. The, the, the devil will try to, per, to pervert the good things of God. Now listen to me. God, God gave us his grace. And it's amazing grace that causes us to be able to come to repentance. It's his grace that draws us in. I need you to understand that I'm not preaching against grace. Grace is of God. And that, and it was by His grace the reason that we have uh, the ability to even come to the Father through Jesus Christ is because of His grace. It was grace that took Him to the cross. It was grace and mercy that took Him to, to die on a cross. But grace does not tell you that you can be saved on your own terms. Grace says there's a door and there's a way and there's a way to the Father. But it's His way, not our way, not our ability to write our own rule book. But this this is the rule book right here and you don't just get to just play the grace card all day long with it I need I wrote this down I need you to write this down if you're taking notes today the the enemy has fulfilled his purpose in a thing not when everyone is doing it because he knows that there'll always be a remnant but he is one when the remnant becomes silent He's one when the remnant becomes dormant. 
You see, we're living in a time when this cheap grace has become the forefront of Christianity. Uh, if you look at media today, there, you, there, there was a day when there was a separation between the church and everything else. There was a separation between, yes, the church and maybe government. There was a separation between the church and the world. And there was a separation between the church and, uh, and, and the, the, the Hollywood. There was a separation of the church and the bars. And there was a separation of the church and the, and the slum. Uh, the, 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 forgive my vernacular, but the, the, the whorehouses. There was, a, there was a separation between the church and the nightclubs. And there was a separation of the church and the media. But the Today, the thing is today because of this cheap and grace message they are unified as one you can go into a you can go into a nightclub and you can see the same clothes that you see on Sunday morning you can go you can go into uh, watch the TV and you hear and see the same things that you see on the on the, in the church on Sunday morning it's because they've become intermingled together there was a time when the media was separated uh, from the church but now grace 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 has caused us to be able to live any kind of which way we want to there are now popular TV shows of reality shows of pastors lives they follow pastors around and they watch them cuss and they watch them drink and they watch them do all the drinks of the world in the name of grace and then they, they call it what the church is and we're supposed to ju- and, and listen I'm not, I, I'm not so worried about what they're doing because I'm telling you right now they're not saved anyhow I'm not worried about what they're but I, what I'm worried about is the people who don't believe in it the remnant who says I still believe in holiness but it's not, it's not okay for us just to be the remnant what happens is because of the media and because of this, this movement of intermingling we as the church have become dormant in speaking out against abusive sin the devil hasn't won because he knows listen he knows he's not going to get this church to go into that nonsense he knows it there's a remnant he knows there's a group of old-time holy ghost pentecostal believers who are not going to be swayed by the ebbs and flows of this world he knows that there are people who are full of the holy ghost i wonder if there's any in this house today that say i won't i won't settle for a substitution of true joy that the enemy is trying to put in my life but i'm a pentecostal i believe by the power and unction of the holy ghost that i serve the one and only living god i won't be deter- i won't be deterred i won't be stopped i won't be my, my, my walk's not going to be changed. He knows that there's a remnant. But he's one when the remnant's silent. He said, I'm not worried about them as long as I can keep them silent. But I think the time, is, I think the night is far spent. It's time for the church to rise up and awaken. Amen. It's time for us. It's time for us to recognize that there needs to be a godly fear again. It grieves my heart, and I believe that the Lord has laid it strong on my heart. I don't know whose water this is. It's probably from several weeks ago, but we're going to go for it. Mm. Brother Josh. That tasted like Brother Josh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. There's no fear of God in the church today. There's no fear. Now, I know we just sang a song called I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear, and we're not. Because the spirit of fear hath torment. And the enemy's version of fear that he will put in our minds, we're no longer slaves to that. 
But in but we can never get to a place where we have victory over ungodly fear until we have godly fear. Have God. If if the church had fear for God today, we wouldn't be doing the nonsense and talking the dribble that we talk today. We wouldn't be Young lady, if you had the fear of God, I wish somebody was videoing me this morning. Amen. Thank you, Sister Deidre. Young woman, if you had the fear of God in your life, you wouldn't be dressing like a hoochie. It's the truth. If you had fear of... Listen, what did I, what did I quote there in Philippians 2, verses 12? Uh, he didn't, I, I know we said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But the powerful that Paul said, he said, I, I, I'm glad at what you're doing, not in my presence, but in my absence. And if we could get back to the place where we said, God, I, I, I don't feel you around me, but I know you're there because your word says that you're omnipresent and you're here right now. If we could get back to the place where we feared God because we knew he was with us every day, then we wouldn't act any certain kind of way outside of the church church you know there was a time when uh and listen there was a time when sinners would act a certain kind of way out of the church but even a sinner would respect the house of god because they knew they couldn't come in here and dress like that or talk like that or act like that or bring their paraphernalia into the church with them they couldn't come in here and and, and begin to put the cigarettes in their mouth and they they couldn't come in here and, and have the drugs in their pocket because there was a conviction of the spirit of god because there was a reverence for the fear of God and I'm telling you today that it's non-existent because if it was then you wouldn't be dressing the way you do and come into this church building matter of fact you wouldn't be dressing that way at home matter of fact moms and dads you wouldn't be buying those clothes for your daughter in the first place if you had any fear of God in your life if you had respect and reverence for God you say I'm not going to put my daughter on display like that ma'am or sir and it doesn't just go to women I'm not on the clothes line this morning but I'm telling you men if you're I heard it put like this and it goes best like this if your clothes are a frame for your face then it pleases God and if your clothes are a frame for your body pleased with what you're wearing that goes that's most tender it goes across the board you cannot you cannot be make your body a frame for your body so that people will look and lust after your body fear of God inside of you The church has lost its fear of God or we wouldn't have... I'm, I'm, I'm really about to get in trouble this morning, but if the church had a fear of God, and I don't care whether it's a Pentecostal church or what denomination of it it is, if it's got a cross on the top of it, then there should be fear and reverence inside of it. And if there were, then there wouldn't be homosexuals running around in the church building because I'm telling you, they would not be able to live in that sin and be in the house of God. They would have fear and reverence and say, listen, I might mess around and do the things that are, you know, they used to call it coming out of the closet. You know why they called it coming out of the closet? Because the only place for it to be was the clit. You tried to hide it because it was taboo and it was wrong and you knew it was wrong, but you were doing it to fulfill the lust of your flesh. And there was a time when that was the way that men lived and women lived when they were doing wrong. They did it in the closet, but now everybody's come out of the closet and they've done it in society. 
But what I'm more concerned with is they've come into the house of God with no fear, no reverence for God in a, at all, and they want to come in and play their church games, living whatever lifestyle and justifying who they are. God won't have it. God won't have it. We embrace every kind of sin. Let me just bring it back home. If we had the fear of God, we wouldn't sit here in the sanctuary and tell our jokes and laugh at our jokes and tell all the things and talk about all the nonsense that God hates and talk about the TV shows that God hates. If we had any reverence for Him, we wouldn't be spending time. This would be a holy place. This house would be a house of prayer. The things of the world in the church, we just arrogantly walk in with our haughty, repentant heart. Time and time again. The Bible says that in James 2.23 that it was appointed unto Abraham for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. And everybody's walking around saying, I am a friend of God. And he, a Jesus, friend of sinners. And, and, uh, and, 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 and I'm okay. And me and Jesus got our own thing going. We got it all worked out. Sir or ma'am, I, I, you know, I, I absolutely despise that song because I'm telling you, you and Jesus ain't got your own own thing going he's got his own thing going and if you want to get on board with his thing then you can get on board with his thing but you and Jesus ain't got your own thing going he's not going to bend the rules for you and I'm telling you right now you can't be a friend of God like Abraham until you begin to fear God first you saying brother Paul wait uh, all the church is preaching I'm a friend of God God's my friend God's not going to do that to me he's a God of love he's a God of grace he's my best friend uh, Jesus is just a friend of mine. Hey, buddy, Jesus, there's country songs going out. I wish I could sit down and drink a beer with Jesus. I, I, I think when God, when Jesus comes and stands before you, you're going to be paralyzed with fear. I got told once a few weeks ago that I was a hellfire and brimstone preacher. I wish they were here today. You can't be a friend of God until you fear the Lord. Abraham, turn with me to the book of Genesis. Chapter number 22, verse number 9. Thank you, Jesus. Chapter 22, verse number 9. Abraham has got Isaac on the mountain. We talked about it a little bit last week. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abram built an altar there, and he laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son, and he laid him um, on the I'm sorry on the altar, upon the wood. And Abram stretched forth his hand, and took his knife, to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him, out of heaven, and said, Abram, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. For now I know that you fear God. 
this 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 one who we quote in James 2:23 as being the friend the reason everybody's walking around saying I am a friend of God he calls me friend is because of the friendship that was between Abraham and today that there could have been no friendship lest there was a fear and reverence for the deity of God lest there was a fear and a reverence for who God was Abraham had to learn his place before he could ever be a friend Flip a couple pages in your Bible backward to to Genesis chapter 20. For me, it's one page. I don't know how it is in your Bible. Verse number 10, it says, This was one of them times, just one of the many times, when Abraham decided to call his wife his sister, try and get himself out of trouble. But he answers for it right here in verse number 10 and 11. He says, And Abimelech said unto Abram, What sawest thou? And Abraham said, Behold, because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. You see, this is the first reference in all of the Scripture of the fear of God. I think it's no coincidence that it's in relation to sexual sin. You say, well, Brother Paul, how's it in relation to sexual sin? David was going into this land of Abimelech, and when he was there, he told Sarah, he said, you're my sister and not my wife, or they'll kill me because you're beautiful, and because their lust for you will drive them to kill me so they, they can have you. So Abraham, because he saw not the fear of God, in these people told a lie. Now, I don't want to focus on the lie this morning, but what I want to focus on is Abraham's ability to see that, write this down, when the fear of God is absent, sexual sin is present. From the beginning, from Genesis, we're talking about a rampant porn industry nowadays we're talking about rampant sexual sin all across america but from genesis abraham recognized that if there is no fear of god in people that there is a sexual sin in the camp and i'm telling you today the reason why pastors are sleeping around the reason why the worship leaders are sleeping around the reason why there's sexual immorality the reason why uh that that young men are being raised in the church i've watched with my own eyes young men be raised in the church and they 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 get to the age of accountability and they begin to act like they're homosexual or have homosexual tendencies we've all seen it time and time again but i'm telling you the reason that that is even able to happen is because the fear of God is absent in the church. It's not popular preaching today. I didn't expect to get a whole lot anyway. I know this isn't run the aisles type of stuff. The book of Proverbs, verse number, our chapter number 9, verse number 10, says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. That the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I began to examine that verse this week. 
I said, God, I've always quoted that. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And, but, but something, I broke that down just a little bit more. And I began to understand, uh, you know, as we are looking to elected officials more and more, we're looking to elected officials to kind of be the voice of the people. And, you know, I, 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 I hate to say this from the pulpit today, but our system's broken, folks. Uh, and, and I'm telling you that there, there's not an elected official who's really going to be able to get us out of this thing because I, I heard it quoted by Leonard Ravenhill, but I'm less worried about what they do in the White House and more worried about what we do in God's house. I'm more worried about what happens here because there was a time when, when things are right in God's house and there's a fear of God in God's house, then people will pray in God's house and then God will move mountains and begin to send angels and give them charge and, and principalities over, over areas will begin to be defeated. If we like Daniel and pray and fast for 21 days for a thing, then God wouldn't move and it wouldn't take President Trump or any other senator or, 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 or any other House of Representatives official. It wouldn't take any of them to move what God is trying to do in this hour if the church would just get a reverence and a fear for him. But I, but I got to thinking about the beginning of uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And I started thinking about how we as the church, we always are turning to the something in the world. Listen, I know we're in the world and we're not of the world, but we've become a way connected to the world. And so we're always looking to people as leaders and we're looking and we're looking to, you know, to this governor or this senator or this, uh, this, this legislator. Or we're looking here and we're looking there. Got to thinking about it and I thought, I don't, I, I, based on this one scripture, that if you don't fear God, I don't even want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear it. We have, I, I said it several weeks ago, and I'm just going to leave it very vague, but there was a, a, a large Pentecostal organization that allowed in one of their meetings a two, two hours for a person to sit, stand up and lecture a bunch of pastors on tolerance for, for the homosexual agenda and how to, how to have uh, inclusion in their services. And I'm not saying that denomination and that, that organization is going that way, but we should never even give a microphone to people people who have no fear of God because there obviously is no wisdom in them because fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So you can't be even close to moderately wise if you can't get to the beginning of wisdom, which is the fear of God. So I need to help somebody today and make you understand that those people, you, all those people that you are lending your ear to, all those people that you're hearing them talk, do they fear your God? Do they fear God? If they fear God, listen to what they have to say because they at least have the beginnings of wisdom in their life. They at least have the start, the foundation. They fear God, Jehovah, God of the Bible. I'm not talking about fear in Allah. I'm not talking about fear in Buddha. I'm not talking about fear in some false gods and pagan gods of this world. I'm talking about fearing our God. And if, they, if your people you are listening to and your circle of influence, if they fear God, then listen into what they have to say and then through the, the, the discernment of the Holy Ghost and through prayer and seeking God then find out if what they have to say is good for your life or not but if they are not fearing of God don't even give them mind we've listened for too long to people who don't even have the beginning of wisdom we're seeking, the, we're seeking approval we're seeking a deliverance from the government and they don't even have the beginnings of wisdom they don't even have the beginning. 
But yet we, we because of book smarts and and you know just whatever they've studied and and their 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 experience outside of God. The fear of God's the beginning of wisdom. We don't need to listen to them and I'm telling you right now that I fear no one. I fear no man. I don't care if they tell me that it's what I'm preaching today will get me thrown in jail. It's just going to be the way. You know, I'll probably turn up the intensity. Because I'm, I, there's no man that I will fear in this world. Because I fear the Lord. Because I fear God. And He has put a fear down inside of me of Him that everything else pales in comparison. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, verse number 22. I'm going to try and not keep you much longer this morning. No promises. Matthew chapter 22. I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse number 22. Thank you, Lord. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in the city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. The disciple is not above his master, nor a servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. I hear the Lord saying that to us this morning. Fear not the man of this world. Fear not what they're doing. Fear not what they're doing in the private. Fear not what they're doing behind the scenes. Fear not what they're saying about you. For nothing is hidden that won't be revealed. Verse number 20 says, What I tell you in the darkness, that speak ye in the light, that what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops and the and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. What am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you that I fear no man. I fear nobody, but I fear God because I, I, I need you to understand and I wish every sinner was would hear under the sound of my voice that you don't need to fear the people around you. I don't fear mob bosses. I don't fear gangs. I don't fear Islamic radicals. I don't fear who can take my life on this world, but there's a, there's a reverence and a fear of God inside of me because I fear him because even after I am dead, he can crush and destroy my body and my soul in the pits of hell. I heard somebody say that heaven is heaven because God is there and hell is hell because God's not there. Nothing could be further from the truth today. I'm telling you uh, sinner and saint alike you need to understand me that hell is hell because God is there. I need you to understand that God has made a place called hell. It's eternal torment. It's eternal where there will be weeping 
weeping and gnashing of teeth and it will be an utter torment for the entirety of eternity. It won't just be a lifetime. It will be an eternity and it will be hell not because of the absence of God but because of the presence of God because He's a great and terrible God. If you don't fear Him and reverence Him, He's not one that you want against you. He's one that you want on your side. I'm telling you that heaven is heaven because God is there and hell is hell because God is there. What is absent in hell is the love and mercy and grace of God. All you get in the presence of God in hell is the wrath of God. If you don't... Sorry, bless God. Hallelujah. Why am I talking like this today? What is it all about? What is it all about? Lastly, I want you to turn with me to the book. You know what? Two, two, two more scriptures. I want you to turn to Revelations chapter 1. Revelations chapter number 1, verse number 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. I need you to understand that John the Revelator, you can stay there. You don't have to go back, Eli. Oh, there you are. He's, he's techie. You leave it right there. I want you to understand that John the Revelator had just heard the voice of God. He had just heard the voice of God. Me and you hear the voice of God. We hear it from a distance. He said, I heard the voice of God from behind me, and it sounded like the voice of trumpets. Verse number 11 said, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and uh, Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. Verse number 12 says, And I turn to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to foot, and girt about paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. I need you to picture Jesus. And his eyes were like flames of fire. And his feet were like undefined brass, as if they were burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And look what this 16 says. And he had on his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went the sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Verse number 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. 
Now, I need you to understand something. John was the beloved disciple. John was the man who laid his head against the bosom of Jesus. John was the one who had intimacy with our Savior. John was the one who, when everybody else was out doing whatever, he was the one that was connected at the right arm with Jesus. He was the one who had the the great love and compassion of Jesus. He was the one that if anybody was going to get love and nurtured, it was going to be John. Do you understand that John, being this loving, the loved disciple, the beloved one, that when he saw Jesus in all of his glory, when he saw Jesus, he seemed like fire, and his countenance as bright as the sunshine, and his feet were like burnished brass, and he saw out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. The Bible says later in Revelations that with it he should smite the nations, and he's treaded the wine presses in the wrath of Almighty God, and there's on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of kings and lord of lords when he saw our savior jesus he fell at his feet as dead the same john who was laying on his bosom who had every right you would think of anybody if, if if anybody has the right to come to me and not fear anything it would be my son eli he has the right and ability to come to daddy with anything he can come to me he's laid on my bosom i've held him before i've loved on him he has the right to come to me but i'm telling you the same the same kind of relationship that john had with jesus my boy has with me a loving kindred, but when he saw Jesus when in the in the atmosphere and the type that he's coming back as, he fell on the ground as dead. There was a fear in him, and I'm telling you, ma'am or sir, if you think you can walk through life without a fear of God, without worrying about who Jesus is and who he's really coming back to be, I'm telling you, uh, we all get scared when we read. Many will say on that day, have I not cast out devils? Have Have I not healed the sick in your name? Many will say on that day, Oh, did I not do this? Did I not do that? And he's going to say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But I'm telling you, I'm not so scared of that as I am the day that I stand before Jesus. Because when I stand before him, if I don't have my life right, if I don't have fear and reverence for who he is, then I'm going to stand there paralyzed with fear because I know that he's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. I know that he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And I may have known him once in this life as the one who was lovingly having his arms spread as though they were on the cross saying, come all that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest i may have known him at one time like that but the day we see him on his return he's not going to be like that anymore he's coming with fire in his eyes and there's going to be a fear like never before for the king of kings and lord of lords we got to remember to see that jesus Oh yeah, we talk about this grace-filled Jesus. We talk about the God that loves and God is love and everything. I'm telling you that there's a real place called hell. And it's a real place that our God, the one that loves us, this God of love, He's the one who made it. We only, we only want to take the good parts of the gospel. We only want to take the good parts of the scripture and say this is how we want to live. But I'm telling you, there's more to it than that. Before you can ever be God's friend, before you can ever be in covenant relationship with Him, before you can be saved at all, you have to fear God. You have to reverence Him. Jude chapter number 1, 
It's the only chapter you can't get it wrong. Let's just flip it one page back. Chapter number 1, verse number 23. Jude 1, 2, 3. Actually, let's go, let's go to 21 and begin reading there. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Verse number 23. And others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Others save with fear. What is it all about this morning? What is it all about? I guarantee you I won't preach about this every Sunday but I felt the Lord tell me that this church has to be a church that fears God. We can't come in. We can't get caught up in the ebbs and flows of society. We've got to be a place that's all about Jesus and all about him in his entirety. Not all about him and just these good side attributes that we want to be a, uh, come a hold to. Uh, not, not just a hellfire and brimstone and everybody's going to hell. Not, not just that. But embracing the gospel in its fullness. Embracing God from, from front to back. I believe Genesis to Revelation. I believe the whole word of God. I, I believe the whole word of God rightly divided. I believe in the verbal inspiration of, the, of God. I don't believe Genesis was metaphors or storybook stuff. I believe, that, I believe in a creation of God. I believe that he created it. I believe that he spoke and the earths were formed. And I believe that he spoke and light was. I don't know how. I don't need to know how. I'm not a physicist and even the best could never get it right. I'm telling you, I don't need to know how. I'm just telling you, I believe it. I believe that John saw a vision of God in Revelation and he saw him high and lifted up. I believe that he saw him riding on a white horse and I I believe that he saw the sharp two-edged sword that goes from his mouth. I believe it from front to back, but we've got to see it all. The same Jesus who said, come to me. I love you. Come to me. I'm loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that same God is the same God who created hell. He's the same God who created heaven. And you can have you can have a lifetime of paradise with him. But it's because not because of paradise is a fun place to be, but, but, but because paradise is where he is. Because heaven is where he is. We all want to go to heaven all because it's nice and there's palm trees and lakes and and beaches and shores and and there's all these great things and that's all carnal and it's all flesh. But I'm telling you that heaven's going to be great because the love and presence and mercy and grace of God is going to be present in that place. But I'm telling you that as much as I believe in heaven today, I believe in hell just as much. And we have made hell a place of imagination. We've got to have the whole thing. We've got to be the whole, the whole scripture, the whole scripture. And so what am I saying? This church has to be a church that sometimes we save them with love and compassion and make a difference, as Jude says. Some people, they just need to know that God loves you. They need, and, and you know, and that's real. People need to know that. There are people who have been abused and, and mistreated. They need to know God loves you. And others have been playing games with God for so long. They need to know by fear that God will not be mocked. And that the same God that is love is the same God that you should fear and respect. 
Church, can we get back to the fear and reverence of God? I don't know who I'm preaching at this morning specifically. I do know this. The Holy Ghost was preaching it at me. He came to me and said, Paul, you, you're losing your fear of God. The, the moment you start looking at people, you lose the fear and reverence of God. The moment you start looking at what is popular, you're losing. You're taking your eyes off of God and putting your eyes on man. You're losing the fear and reverence for who God is. And I don't want to get to that place, church. God's got big plans. God's got amazing things that he's doing. I believe, God, for this building that we're praying for right now, I believe it's ours. And we can name it and claim it, and I'm all for it. Let's do it. But I'm telling you right now that if we get in that place and we begin to talk all the dribble of the world and be just like every other, every other, and then I'm not, I'm not beating up on churches today. I'm praying. I pray for them. But I'm telling you, I believe that we need to not only be the remnant, but be the vocal remnant. The vocal remnant who will say we still believe in the fear and reverence of God. You can't treat God this way. When you come into this house, you're going to have to re reverence God. We can't just allow you to be any kind of way you want to be, sir. That may be popular in society today. You may be able to get away with it wherever you go. They may have made e-cigs so you can go in places that have the sign that say no smoking. But we don't want e-cigs dis to disrupt the presence of God. I need you to understand this. This isn't about, I'm not trying to beat up on a smoker today. I'm telling you, we just need to reverence God. Sir, if you come in and you're wearing a shirt that's, uh, that, that, that is cutting out uh, the, the, the sculpture of your body and it's sensual and you're going to cause people to stumble please don't bring it into this house we will tell you that it's not oh it's not okay why well brother Paul you're not being love because I fear God I don't fear man do you understand? I'm not being legalistic this morning. I need you to understand me. I love people and I will minister to people out on the street. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you've been bound in. I don't care what you are now bound in. I don't care if you've got tattoos on your eyelids. I don't care what it is. I, I, I'll minister and do whatever. But I fear and reverence the house of God. And I fear God and I don't fear man. Do you understand? We've got to be able to separate. We've got to be able to love sinners and yet not condone sin. We've got to be able to love them and nurture them and be able to care for them and, 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 and be able to do the things that God's called us to do, but while not disrespecting the creator of all of it, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Amen. Do you hear me this morning?